At the end of his life, Yaakov gathers his children together, the brothers that would be the foundation of the tribes of Israel. He gives them each a unique blessing. Yehuda is identified with the future political leadership of the Jewish people. The Pasuk in Bereshit, Perak Mem Tet, Yud, 49.10 reads, Lo yasur shevet mi Yehuda, umchokek mi ben raglav, ad kiavo shilo, velo yikahat amim. It's a difficult pasuk to translate, but based on the Ibn Ezra, I would explain it as follows. The scepter will not leave Judah, nor a scribe from between his feet, until he comes to Shiloh, and to him the nations will be obedient. There are many different elements of this pasuk that need explanation. I'm going to focus on one element. The Ramban writes on this pasuk in discussing the error of the Makabim, the Chashmonaim. He says, So it's possible that in addition to the error of assuming the kingship, despite the fact that they were not from the tribe of Yehuda, an additional element was that they were Kohanim, Venet's Tavu, and they were commanded, based on the Pasuk in Bamibar, Tishmurut Kunathem, that they should guard their priesthood, Lechod Davar Hamizbeach, regarding any matter of the altar, Umibet La Parochet, and what's inside the covering. Uh, referring to the covering in the Beit HaMikdash, And you will serve. And I give you this gift of the priesthood. And that's your responsibility. And it's not for them to rule. Rather, they are to stick only to serving in the service of Hashem. And he also quotes for Horiot, and he's, uh, the Ramban is explaining that he also saw in the Jerusalem Talmud in the tractate Horiot, We don't anoint kings from priests. Rabbi Huda Anturia, Alshem Lo Yasur Shevet Mi Yehuda. And Rabbi Huda Anturia said that this is based on our verse, that the scepter will not depart from Judah. So the Ramban explains that one heir of the Hashmonaim, also known as the Maccabees, was that they assumed the monarchy despite not being from the tribe of Yehuda. It's interesting to note, if you look at the Rambam in Hilchot uh, Melachim, Perak Aleph, Halacha, Chet, and some of the surrounding Halachot, it seems that he would allow the monarchy to be in the hands of someone outside of the tribe of Yehuda, it seems temporarily uh, that they do have the status of a king, but that the what he describes as the Ikra Malchut, the Ikra kingship, stays with uh, Yehuda. There's some interesting elements of those halachot, and it's certainly worth uh, their own study there. It's also possible that the heir of the Hashmonaim was that they may have set up a dynasty in a more permanent way, according to the Rambam, which would have been a problem. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's certainly worth further study. But in the Ramban's framework, beyond this error of taking the monarchy outside of Yehuda, uh, which the source of that, according to the Ramban, doesn't seem to be 
a standard biblical prohibition, but may be a result of Yaakov's specific uh, directive. But again, that's also a, a further study of the Ramban. But the main error, according to the Ramban, was that they tried to combine the monarchy with the priesthood. So the source for prohibiting this is in the Jerusalem Talmud, and they directly said our, our verse of Lo Yesur Shevet Mehuda. This distinction between the monarchy and the priesthood brings to mind the famous phrase, uh, the separation between church and state, which was coined by Thomas Jefferson in a letter um, in 1802. But we see that we have a source for this concept in the separation of the spiritual and the political within the Torah system. That's not to say that we don't aspire to have political leaders with spiritual depth, but we also recognize that such a combination is rare. It's interesting in the Gemara and Gitin Nun Tet Amud Aleph and Gitin 49a, Vama Rabba Bere de Rava, Vitema Rabbi Hillel Bere de Rabbi Valas, Miamot Moshe Ve'ad Rebbe, Lomansinu Torah Ugedula Bamakom Echad. So Rabba, the son of Rava, and some say it was Rabbi Hillel, the son of Valas, said that from the days of Moshe until Rebbe, referring to Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, so we know about Moshe, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was the leader of the Jewish people. He was both a political leader and was responsible for codifying the Mishnah. So the Gemara says, we do not find Torah and Gidulah, which would loosely translate to greatness in a single person. Now, the Gemara proceeds to question this statement with a number of examples from history. One is, what about the great King David? He was not only a great political leader, but he also wrote uh, you know, Tehillim and certainly seemed to embody both spiritual and political greatness. So the Gemara answer is that yes, that's the case. However, there was someone in his generation who exceeded him in Torah. So it's interesting. It is possible to have leadership and spirituality combined in a single individual. Moshe Rabbeinu and Rabbi Huda Nasi were unparalleled in each sphere during their era. Rashi also indicates that Yaakov's firstborn son, Ruvain, could have combined the priesthood and the monarchy. But he failed to live up to this possibility. Throughout subsequent Jewish history, this combination has been elusive. It is thus important not to have too much power concentrated in one institution. We must leave room for greatness to evolve in multiple segments of society. The late Rabbi Dr. Nachum Eliezer Rabinovich brought these concepts forward into the modern state of Israel. A recent article in the Torah Umada journal discusses his political theology. The author Rami Schwartz writes, Quote, while in his writings, Rabbi Rabinovich unquestioningly endorses modern Israel's democracy, his political theology does carry with it some pointed criticisms of the current system. Chief among these is that too often the state of Israel fails to maintain a proper separation between the civil and the spiritual. Here is Rabbi Rabinovich in his own words in an article titled The Civil and the Spiritual. Quote, Thus, the legal system of Torah consists of two parts. One, the proper jurisdiction of the government, 
deals with affairs of society. The other, the commandments between man and God, belongs to every Jew. This division has important implications. The rulers are charged with implementing the laws between man and his fellow men, and are granted wide legislative and administrative powers in this realm. The ultimate goals of spiritual welfare are to be achieved by means other than government. End quote. Back in our narrative in Parshat Vayechi, we see that Judah is given the mantle of monarchy, but he is not given the priesthood, nor are the priests allowed to be monarchs. Each has its own sphere of influence. Government must concentrate on providing man's physical needs to sustain and preserve justice, peace, and security among men. It must be careful not to overstep. The Kohanim, our priests, must maintain a degree of separation from this enterprise, for they must focus on man's spiritual development. It is not that these endeavors cannot be combined, but due to the faults of men, they are best left to be pursued independently. Ultimately, though, the efforts toward sovereignty and spirituality can work in concert and need not conflict. I'm going to conclude with Thomas Jefferson's letter to the Danbury Connecticut Baptist Association shortly after he was inaugurated. And while I don't think his concept needs to be identical to ours, it does express the sentiment that we can work towards establishing a society and make that one endeavor, and that it need not conflict with our spiritual pursuits. So he writes as follows. Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should, quote, make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, end quote. That's a reference to the First Amendment. And Jefferson continues, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Adhering to this expression of the supreme will of the nation in behalf of the rights of conscience, I shall see with sincere satisfaction the progress of, the, of those sentiments which tend to restore to man all his natural rights, convinced he has no natural right in opposition to his social duties.